you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at laist.com sweeps. Start your Saturday with something that will grow your kiddos' brains and get their creative juices flowing. Join us at LAS in Pasadena for a morning of multilingual readings, interactive performances, and lots of kid fun. It's Super Fun Saturday on June 1st. Get your tickets at LAS.com slash events. LAS Studios. Hey everyone, this week we're doing something a little different. Instead of a full-length episode, we're giving you something more bite-sized based around a fun theme. A dream second season of a podcast that only had one season. I spoke with Hot Pot contributor Caroline Crampton about it, and we each narrowed it down to three picks. So, it was a hard-fought contest, but I think this spot goes to a series called Finding Van Gogh, which was made... This is actually from 2019. The five episodes of Series 1 came out uh, September 2019. It was made by the Stadel Museum in Frankfurt. Mm. And it's about a painting called The Portrait of Dr. Gachet, which is supposedly the last portrait completed by Vincent van Gogh. Mm. And it was sold mysteriously into private hands about 30 years ago. And this museum was running an exhibition, I think, of Van Gogh's portraits, and they wanted to be able to include this. So the curators started going, OK, well, maybe we can find out who has it and mm. get them to loan it to us for this exhibition. Turns out there was quite a lot more to that process than just we'll find out who has it and ask them. It was dynamic. It was full of motion. It seemed to suggest the exposure of something that wasn't entirely observable on the surface. Not a particularly pleasant man, but something makes him interesting. In fact, one could argue that this is the most extraordinary portrait of all that he made in his short life. It's a very moving object to stand in front of. They did five episodes, but I just feel like there's so much they didn't cover about Van Gogh, about his relationship with Gachet was his doctor who was sort of treating him for some of his mental health problems mm. and also about the sort of private art world in general that I would love to hear them maybe give this treatment to another Van Gogh painting or indeed a painting by another artist that's in the museum's collection. I think there's loads of scope for where they could go with it. Oh, wow. And it's bilingual. It's both in German and in English. It is, yeah. That's fantastic. I More bilingual stuff would be really, really mm. cool. Um Okay, so pivoting pretty hard into my Philistine nature away from art uh, into sports, ESPN's Dunkumentaries, which is actually one of their very first podcasts, first projects that came out a couple years ago. I want to say it's 2017 or 2016. It was pretty early on in like the post like serial podcast boom. Mm-hmm. It's basically an anthology series where uh, different producers were given the opportunity to like tell different stories about the nature of dunks in basketball. When it's his turn, Carter is prowling the center of the court. And after about 10 seconds of pacing up and down, he sets off towards the basket. Carter with his first stop. Let's go home! Let's go home, ladies and gentlemen! It's an amazing reverse 360-degree dunk. Let's go home! 
The crowd goes nuts, and Carter is just strutting around and puffing out his chest. Because I was just—I felt like I had wings. And when I did that dunk right there, I said, "These guys don't have a chance." <laughs> What I like about it, in addition to just being the basketball nerd myself, is this notion of like getting sort of an anthology series and you get kind of different producers to approach the topic in their own way and to sort of think about the kinds of stories they want to tell off the theme or off the topic. In this case, it was dunks. Mm. I don't think anybody listened to it. Uh, <laughs> I vouched for it really hard <laughs> until whatever it came out, like 2016 or 15 or whatever. And the thing is that like I love this notion of just like getting a ton of like all-star hitters together and just making stuff about a random topic. I think that's a really interesting thing that we'll love to see more of in podcasting, simply because like we are in a place where we have a ton of all-stars right now, and we'll love to see that cross-pollinate. Okay, so what's your second pick? So this is a series called On Things We Left Behind, which was actually the winner of a competition that I helped to judge in 2019. It was called mm. Launch Pod, and it was an Acast-backed sort of find the next hit podcast thing Uh, and then the winners got production support and budget to make their full series and their full series finally came out in August September 2020. It's made by the daughters of Somali refugees who are now all living in the UK and it's about the objects that people who have to flee their country for whatever reason and move somewhere else about the objects that they leave behind and what those things end up meaning to them and so the pilot episode that I heard as part of the judging process was about letter tapes Mm. cassette tapes that families uh, would record and sort of post back to people elsewhere in the world and exchange and pass around communities and that turned into a two-parter that is the beginning of the series. It allowed for communicating important factual things about people's lives, what's going on in people's lives. But also what I love about them is that they also become like diaries where people record the the daily life, you know, the family gossip. You can hear snatches of life captured in them, whether that's goats bleating or people conversing or laughing in the background. And I love the giggling. I think many of the tapes I found from between my family, people giggling in the background. Well, you can hear children's voices. These were slow-moving, long-distance, one-way conversations. And I just think that concept has got such great legs. There are so many objects (laughs) and so many communities that you could give that treatment to. And they made some really, really moving and quite political stories out of it. Mm. So, yeah, I would 100% listen to more of that. Well, Carol, it's a serious picks. I feel so fluffy with with the the rest (laughs) of the picks I have. I was... Uh, okay, let's go to bat for this one. This, I, I kind of feel like this is a pick that I'm going to get some shit for. Uh, so I really, really liked Lynn Levy's The Habitat, which she made for Gimlet um, a couple mm, years ago. I did too. Okay, so the premise is basically it's a documentary in which Lynn Levy follows uh, this group of essentially scientists or science-adjacent people who you know volunteer to live remotely in this sort of bubble uh, in their sort of research of how uh, astronauts and, and sort of space people can live on, on Mars and in whatever colony sort of situation that they're going to set up there. And so it sets up this premise of a, of a reality kind of documentary series where like, what happens when uh, you put a bunch of smart uh, people around the same age in a very small enclosed environment for a very long period of time? It's early on a Wednesday morning, and the crew has less than 48 hours to go before they get locked into the habitat. They've been together for a few days now, learning all the skills they'll need to pretend to be on Mars. And today, they're learning one more, how to map a new planet. 
We follow one of the high seas researchers, Brian Shiro, into a lava field not far from the habitat. People are in shorts and t-shirts. It's one of the last times the crew will be able to walk outside without spacesuits on. I'm not saying that I want a an extension or a sequel to that specific story, but I a I want to hear Lindley do more things. I would love to hear her like lead another show again, uh, and b just like this premise of like settling into an extreme situation and just documenting people. Would love mm. to sort of see someone try that again. Because I think there's a, you know, there's a way that it's slightly more accessible to do that, which is a recording as opposed to carrying a camera equipment. There is a sort of like way in which inhabiting these characters or being with these characters without knowing how they look like really sort of like created a really interesting relationship response. So that's my uh, second pick. Uh, all right, Caroline, last pick. The third one I want to mention is perhaps a bit more of a stretch in how I would envision the second series, but it's this series made by. I think, local to you, Nick, Boise State Public Radio, Grouse. Oh, shit. Was that going to be your third That just came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so they made this series called Grouse, I think in association with Bird Note as well. And Mm -hmm. I absolutely loved it as a kind of combination of memoir and documentary and ecology, essentially. Michael Schroeder and I stood on that blackened hillside for a while together, just looking around us and talking about the bird the way you might talk about a loved one who's terminally ill. Michael's old enough to retire, and he's been joking about it since I met him. But he told me he's not going to retire right now, even though this could be the actual collapse of the sage-grouse population in Washington state that he's been worried about for so long. He said he doesn't want to go out on a down note. That, to me, is courage. It's the courage to keep doing our small part, whatever that may be, even if we know our individual actions may not solve the bigger problem. The courage to keep loving the hell out of something, even if we know we may not be able to save it. It was about a writer who moved to a rural area in Washington state and became very invested in the way that one species of bird is being affected by climate change and the political battles over rural life and all this kind of stuff. And I think it's a fantastic lesson. And I don't necessarily need eight more episodes about grouse, but it's an approach that I would love to see spun out as a sort of anthology series. So maybe it's a different writer in a different part of the world with a different ecological question and it could sit under the same banner, if that makes sense. I think we have seen a few people attempt that kind of thematic anthology series over multiple seasons as opposed to within episodes. Um, Dan Taberski's Headlong comes to mind in that. Uh, So, yeah, I'd love to see them do that again. I like how uh, both of us ended up responding to this sort of theme with... uh, I don't necessarily want to see a sequel to this, but I want to see something like this, which uh, I think is, you know, bodes well for anybody who dreams to build an anthology series. Okay, another fluffy pick. Let's do this. Uh, I really liked Halloween Unmasked, which is the Ringer's sort of film kind of documentary thing from a couple years ago about the movie Halloween. Michael's around someplace. They think they're alone. (laughs) Take off that thing. Even so, they go upstairs for privacy. Let's go upstairs. Okay. You retrace your steps to the front yard, look up, see an upstairs bedroom light cut off. You go to the back of the house, faster now, further, inside the back door. Is this still okay? And a hand, your hand, slashes into the frame. Your hand yanks open a drawer. You pull out a knife. No, no, this is not okay. 
the thing I liked about that franchise or that show, uh, in addition to the fact that it was hosted by Amy Nicholson, who is a film critic and a film podcast host that I love to listen to and just like, consume her work, is that the documentary felt like very MTV documentary. It was like really kind of fizzy. It was really uh, bubblegummy. It, it, it moved really quickly. It was fun. It was enthusiastic. It had a certain energy to it that was very light. And it didn't feel like I was listening to kind of like a, like a work documentary, like a heavy documentary. There's something about the way that I think The Ringer figured out like sort of a tone um, that I, as just a sort of a, a consumer, really appreciate and would like to see more of because I think I, traditionally I tend to sort of cluster towards podcasts that are, you know, hefty, I like podcasts that kind of see themselves and think of themselves as, as kind of bookish. But I'm also a massive consumer of, of pop television and I, I love seeing those tendencies kind of trickle down uh, into podcasting and would love to see another sort of film be taken up in the, with the Halloween Unmasked approach. Mm. Okay, so I think I think that's it. I think we you, you have your three picks. I have my three picks. Hopefully somebody out there is listening to this and go like, all right, I will make something like this. <laughs> uh, Caroline, thank you so much for uh, joining me today. Thank you very much for having me. And I have a great holiday season. Yeah, you do. Thank you. So that's it for this week. We'll be back next week with a new full-length episode perfect for the end of the year and the end of the world. Remember that you can check out more episodes at alias.com slash servantofpod. Servant of Pod is a production of Elias Studios. Happy holidays. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps.